This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you've missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on Talk Radio. Let's get straight to my next guest in this hour, and that is the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock. Now, Matt, I know sometimes you and I have some good clashes on this show about various government policies. I'm I'm going to say it straight up right now. You've ordered 40 million doses of the very first vaccine to get approval in the world. I'm going to do it. Round of applause. (laughs) You're not going to get it very often from me. I'm going to give credit where it's due. Tell us, tell us, Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, first vaccine to be approved, first country in the world. Tell us about it. First country in the world. And and because we've, uh, you know, we back the scientists uh, and they've done a great job. And uh, and actually, you know, we don't often praise regulators, but the MHRA, you know, they would not approve a vaccine unless it was uh, safe and effective. Uh, but by working incredibly hard, they've been able to uh, they've been able to do this. And, you know, what it means for people is we now you know, we've got a vaccine. Help is on its way and we can see our way out of this uh, this terrible situation. And it is important to point out, isn't it? The UK regulator, they are independent. They can't be pressured. They, they are independent, but also crucial to point out, as the Financial Times note in their paper today, that actually the EU isn't even having meetings until the end of December. They're uh, a European medical medicines agency until the end of December and early January to even discuss giving regulatory approval. Nice, clear benefit of Brexit. We're able to go, the, go alone on this and get this rolled out earlier as next week. Well, that's right. It is absolutely clear that because we are leaving, because we've left the EU, I was able to change the law so that the UK alone could make this authorisation decision. Um, So because we've left the EU, we've been able to move uh, faster, yet it still be uh, done with all of the safety checks uh, that would have been done anyway. So we've got a we've got a faster approval uh, because of Brexit. And that is obviously good news for uh, for everyone here. Uh, and then the NHS is ready to roll it out uh, from from next week. OK, and then this is the key thing. It's 95 percent effective, which is brilliant. But there is this issue of the minus 72 degrees Celsius uh, storage. And that's why you're going to be rolling it out to NHS staff in the first instance, just for the ease of actually storing it and getting it out to as many people as possible. Well, the prioritisation of who gets it first will be set out by this uh, a group of scientists and clinicians called the Joint Committee on Vaccinations and Immunisations. And later today, they're going to set out the order of priority for who gets the vaccine. 
Um, and it, at the top of that order is actually care home residents and their carers, and then the over 80s and, and NHS staff. And we'll do that, but uh, you know, we'll do that according to what is operationally doable. Because as you say, the minus 70 is a serious challenge. Uh, the fact you have to keep this at minus 70 until just before it's uh, uh, prepared. Um, and so uh, the, uh, the, you know, the NHS are doing a, a, have done a great job getting ready. Uh, there are 50 sites across the country uh, that are ready to go uh, from next week. And we'll, of course, expand that over time. OK, a lot of people you are know, really happy today, like me, like you've been celebrating with this, but are still a bit concerned about the practical rollout of this because we have had issues, have we not, with test and trace. But let's, you know, let's not dwell on those. But the, the actual practical implementation of this, we know the army on standby and the like. Are you confident that you can get every single dose that we've got ready? And is it how many doses have we got ready that you can get those out as soon as possible, 24-7, round the clock. Yes, this is, you know, this is the sort of thing that the NHS does, um, albeit usually in smaller scale, does it every year with flu. Um, we, you know, the NHS is an amazing organisation in many ways, and one of the things that it does a lot of is, is logistics, is big operations. Having said all of that, uh, you know, it will be one of the biggest civilian operations um, uh, logistics operations that we've ever done uh, and the army are helping and supporting very much you know nhs led across all of the uk the four different uh, nhs's in the four different uh for different nations of the uk but it's a you know uk program we're ready to go uh, there'll be there'll be challenges there'll be you know there'll be issues of course there will in something this big and are, are we going to see, say, the government or, or yeah, we talked about some celebrities, perhaps, you know, having the vaccine early on to show that you're happy to take it? I mean, presumably you'd be very happy for you, any member of your family to have the vaccine. Yes, I, I would. I, I mean, I, I'm not in a priority group because I'm uh, a fit and healthy uh, 42 year old. Um, and so um, and so I but I but I would be prepared to do that if that is helpful in, you know, persuading people to um to th okay. that it's safe you know because i've got confidence in this vaccine because i've got confidence in the independent regulator online on dab and on the talk radio app talk radio Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Delighted to welcome uh, former Brexit Secretary and Conservative MP David Davis to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. First of all, uh, let's uh, talk about the news this morning. If people are just waking up, uh, very, very encouraging news. The UK has become the very first country in the world to approve the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. This is the first one uh, that uh, said they uh, had 95% effectiveness. But, uh, of course, it does have to be stored at minus 70 degrees Celsius, which is a little bit of a problem. We've got 40 million doses pre-ordered, enough for 20 million people. We're going to be rolling it out in this country from Monday. Um, What's your reaction to that? Well, that's fantastic news. I mean, I think... All of the vaccines are good news. As you say, this one's got to be stored at very low temperatures. So a bit difficult for some parts of the world. But for us, I think we can manage that. And it's great news. I mean, the all of the vaccines actually tell us one thing, that this is going to come to an end by next summer. That's that's the that's the big story out of it. That it's going to come to an end because, you know, uh, until until the vaccines were available, uh, the we, we were facing the prospect of having the sort of agonies we've been going through over uh, in the Commons last night, uh, time and time and time again. But so this this does at least show the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, this is it. I mean, this is certainly the hope. I, there's always a little bit of me that's worried that actually that, that there, there will still be a demand for people to socially distance, to, to wear masks, to have limits on people mixing indoors and things like that. Um, do you think that, that either the public will refuse to accept that? We're told, well, we don't know if the, you know, if the vaccine is going to provide enough safety. And is is there a concern that, that actually an awful lot of these infringements of our civil liberties and our lives are, are actually going to continue nevertheless? I think the government will be very unwise to do that once once we've got a generally available vaccine, which means more than one available, more than one uh, in, in circulation. Uh, for a very simple reason, I mean, just forget the civil liberty side and so on. When you look at uh, how people respond to requirements to isolate, just take that alone. If they've got symptoms, if they know they've got uh, the illness, or they know they've, uh, they, they they have a problem, you get ninety percent compliance. If you if they haven't, if they're asymptomatic, they don't think they have got the illness, you get about thirty percent compliance. That's what the numbers now show. So, in the circumstance where people are vaccinated and people don't think there's a serious risk, attempting to impose that would be impossible. So, I think first off, it wouldn't work. Secondly, it will go completely against the grain of our country. You know, we're, we're a country for whom sort of freedom is our middle name. Uh, you know, we fought wars for our freedom. You know, we, we, we enjoy our lives because we're free. And I think there would be a really, really bad reaction to, to the government intending to do that. I mean, there'll be do some... You, do you think people are just simply going to demand that they get those freedoms back? I think so. I mean, it, at the point that, this is, that, that we're safe, I mean, you know, we, don't, we don't hold our freedoms... Um, care of the government, thank you very much. Uh, the, the government holds its powers care of the people. Uh, and I think they will, they, if, if they see there's no reason for it, and, and if the vaccines work well. The, it, does, it does introduce another issue, Julia, at some point in the future, and that is how we deal with future pandemics. Because yes. this isn't yeah. the last one. This isn't the last one. 
Uh, and the truth be told, most of the Western world didn't really respond very well to this one. We got we made a load of mistakes. Well, well we did the exact opposite of what the World Health Organization had originally always said you should we, do in a pandemic. We decided to follow what the totalitarian police state in China did. Yeah, all, all, all those sorts of things we've done, we, 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 we've done wrong. I think we, we, we'll have a lot of lessons learned from this. So the next time something like this happens, uh, we'll have a much better response to it, and it will be a, it will still be intrusive. I mean, you know, pandemics uh, do demand some intrusive measures, but but it'll be more carefully thought through and better balanced. Okay. I mean, the difficulty through this one has been, you know, we've been panicking sometimes from time to time. Well, yeah, sometimes, yes, I think that is slightly the word. I can also ask you about a story in the front of the Financial Times today pointing out regulatory delays will leave Europe, the EU, trailing not just the UK but the US as well in the vaccine race uh, because of the delays in the uh, meeting of the European Medicines Agency. It used to be based here in the UK, moved, of course, because we because of Brexit back into uh, to, uh, the EU uh, continent. Um, but their regulator is delaying meetings to actually talk about giving regulatory approval to these vaccines until later this month and even as far as January. Um, this is a clear, absolute 100% benefit of Brexit, isn't it, that we are able to give regulatory approval here in the UK without waiting for the EU? Yeah, I mean, we don't require the European Medicines Agency. I mean, it, 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 it does sort of slightly beg a belief <laughs> uh, that they've done this. I, I can't does it? It doesn't surprise why. me at all. Well, no, it doesn't surprise me, but you know, but it, it, I'm afraid it is a bit of a good demonstration why we're leaving. I mean, Absolutely, uh, it, it, I'm afraid it's uh, it's just uh, it's just too silly for words. Right? Let's talk about last night, which is the reason why yeah. we had originally voted. Yeah. Uh, counted. Yeah. yeah. By the way, my my apologies for the delay. I go for a run every morning, and I twisted my ankle two miles away from home. <laughs> we'll forgive I'm you. Back. We will. We will forgive you. I, I like that image. Thank you. Well, thank you for hobbling back. Then, no doubt, with your ankle in the ice uh, right now, as you speak. Just, you're one of the 55 Tory MPs who voted against the government. Yeah. Other 10 abstained, six didn't vote. We had around 17 total. A big rebellion for a, a party that's got a, an 18 majority. Uh, it was going to go through either way because Labour abstaining on it. Um, but um, it, we're in the tiers now. 99% of us in tiers two or three. 40% of the population in tier three, which is lockdown light. There's no question at all. Shops are reopening, but you know hospitality and no indoor mixing and the like. Um, are you are you confident that there is now enough of, of a groundswell in the Commons from among your Tory uh, colleagues and indeed some other parties as well, uh, that they are getting the message that, that, that lo- another lockdown is not going to be the answer? Do you think we can safely say now, even though the government says it's not their plan, that they wouldn't be able to get another lockdown through and, and that we will be able to get out of these tier restrictions? Well, no, I, I don't think you can say that the government wouldn't get another lockdown through. I mean, Labour have taken a stance of, of abstaining, who said yesterday. I guess their choice was between abstaining and supporting the government. And I think that would be about the same next time. But what this is doing is making it very plain to the government that we that we don't like the crudeness of these measures. We accept there have to be some measures. Nobody's nobody's disputing that. Uh, and one of the things we were, um, I and others were talking about during the debate yesterday, is what the alternative is, because this the, what we're doing at the moment is not fair on people who have got low infection rates very locally, but still fall inside the areas. Uh, it's it's destructive in enormous terms in terms of small business, local businesses, particularly small businesses. Uh, and actually, it's not that effective. The most effective countries in the world, in a, the East Asian ones, actually, South Korea and places like that, but in Europe, just take Europe for, for, for a second, the most effective country in Europe uh, uh, at dealing with the, the problem, uh, uh, 
actually got one fifth of our death rates is Germany. Why is it so effective? Because it's incredibly local in what it does. You know, incredibly local. You know, it, it, it'll lock down uh, a single city of 100,000 people or 37,000 people. Those are two examples, real examples, Gutzlow and uh, Warendorf. Uh, or a single factory of 7,000 people or even a single block of flats of 700 people. It's not locking down uh, Liverpool with one and a half million or... Uh, Manchester with 2.8 million, or my area, uh, Yorkshire and Humberside, 4.7 million. If you've got that big a lockdown area, a lot of people are going to break the rules. And it's not going to work. It's, you can't police it. And it's not going to work very well. And so, you know, on all three counts, on fairness, on effectiveness, on economic damage, there are better ways of doing this. I think that one of the reasons the government hasn't done it yet is its test and trace system hasn't been sufficient, what they call granular, yeah. sufficiently detailed. And, it, and again, that hasn't been done locally as it has been in other countries. That's right. And I think it's getting better. I think by the day that's getting better. So I think when we come back to this uh, in January, February, I think the government's going to have to come back with something much more precise and less damaging. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Right now, let's talk to Professor Hugh Pennington. He's Emeritus Professor of Bacteriology at Aberdeen University. Good morning to you, Hugh. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Look, it's uh, it's definitely a day for us to celebrate, is it not? The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine getting approval in the UK. First country in the world to approve it. What's your reaction? Well, I'm very, very, very pleased. Not not altogether surprised. I think I think they've been passing information on to the regulators, you know, as the vaccine has been uh, tried. And, of course, the number one thing... Uh, is is safety and clearly the uh, information that we've heard I mean it's, it's not on the basis of peer-reviewed and all that kind of stuff but the information they've given us is that it is a very safe vaccine at uh, the side effects you get are the same sort of side effects you get with a flu jab which which you know the, the sort of people who are going to be given this virus uh, vaccine uh, are the sort of people who, who are quite good at uptake of the the flu vaccine and, you know, very, very safe, tried on millions of people, the flu vaccine. And this has been tried on a very large number of people. The trials are really quite big. So I'm, I'm very happy about safety. And, of course, it came out, uh, you know, quite high in terms of, uh, of protection. Yeah, I think a lot uh, of us were very surprised. I mean, the government was basically saying they were going to order, pre-order a, a doses of any vaccine that had a likelihood of being over 50% effective. And now we've got three which are, uh, you know, we're told above 90% effective, which are, again, waiting for those to be rolled out. Do you think it's interesting, though, that um, we're the first country in the world to approve this fascinating uh, article in the uh, the front of the Financial Times today? Bearing in mind, the Financial Times is a hugely anti-Brexit newspaper, but even they've admitted regulatory delays to leave Europe, trailing US and UK in vaccine race. Basically, uh, the European Medicines Agency, which used to be based in London and has moved as a result of Brexit, uh, they have delayed delaying having a meeting to discuss giving regulatory approval. Apparently, this is down to their members wanting to self-isolate ahead of spending Christmas with their families, putting that ahead of getting having a meeting at the earliest opportunity to approve a vaccine. Um, so us being out of the EU has actually meant we're going to get this vaccine before other European countries? Well, yes, we, we, would, we would have done better anyway, I think, in the sense that we have a very good regulatory system, um, you know, which has been going for many years. Um, it, it, it's a very successful system. 
And uh, clearly nobody wants to take any unnecessary risk with approving something that might turn out to have problems. So they have to look at all you know, dot, the I, dot the I's and cross the T's and all that kind of thing of, of what the, uh, the manufacturers have said and what the scientists who have been developing the vaccine have said. And of course, this is, this is not just a first in the sense that we're the first country in the world to approve it. This is a brand new kind of vaccine, which actually inherently is very safe because you're not getting uh, a, a sort of, you know, this uh, traditional vaccines where viruses that have been killed or bacteria that have been killed or bits of toxins that have been fiddled about with. This is actually just a tiny bit of the genome of the virus, which on its own could do very little, do really only the business that it's designed to do, which is to uh, make us basically resistant to this spike protein on the virus which you know you can see on all the pictures of the virus it's got these spikes and if you've got antibodies against those spikes and t-cell immunity against these spikes you, you don't fall ill it's as simple yeah. as that and there's nothing else in the vaccine uh, that, that could cause any harm so inherently it's a very safe vaccine and that's been proved by the um, by, by the, the trials that have been done and, and that is a key point to make isn't it is that um, a lot of people who I mean there are people who are the anti-vaxxers who don't trust even the the, the massively proved I mean decades have proven millions of people prove that they are safe like MMR but there are there are people who are normally people who would you know get vaccinated would, would not be concerned but they're worried about the fact that these vaccines have been developed so quickly off vaccine would normally you know, take 10 plus years and it's been done in a, such a short period of time. But it is important to stress, isn't it? That doesn't mean there's been any safety compromise. How have they managed to sort of make the time so much shorter without compromising safety? Can you explain that? Well, well the time really is not in developing the vaccine. I mean, the research, the, the basic principles to develop the vaccine were already there and they've been trying these kind of this kind of approach on other things but um, haven't used it in practice. So this is the first time it's been done. It was a very obvious choice from the scientific point of view to use this messenger RNA kind of approach. Um, and other vaccines, of course, have taken much longer because of the, it's the regulatory part, it's the safety part. You have to do big trials and generally speaking, uh, for drug companies, there's no money in making vaccines. You don't make a profit out of vaccines. They're, they're quite expensive to make. And, and you know, the regulators jump on you if there's the slightest problem with them and all that. So they're not very an attractive proposition for, for, uh, for, for the... Yeah. the, the and that's one of the reasons. And now for the first time, there was billions going into it. They know that they'd be able to, you know, uh, sell this around the world. There, there was money to be made and therefore it got, you know, it's been developed. So people shouldn't be wary. Now it's going to be rolled out. We've got 40 million doses pre-ordered. They're not already made, but there are millions of doses already uh, actually made, manufactured by these, again, all these factories set, you know, and, and production lines set up already. That's going to be rolled out. We're told, first of all, as of next week to NHS staff. Now, the crucial thing about that, of course, is this minus 70, minus 80 degrees Celsius uh, uh, transportation need um, and, the, and the fact that apparently it can't be moved more than four times. That's the absolute max number of times it can be moved from, well, I think it's produced in Belgium and then it has to be transported over and then uh, taken. So they want to be able to take it to a, you know, a hospital and then it's only trapped and where it can be stored at the right temperature and not transported any further. And of course, you've got large numbers of staff who can come and get uh, the vaccine. Um, how long do you think, therefore, we realistically we can see it rolled out to, to you know, the elderly patients, the elderly residents in care homes, those who are most vulnerable? Well, sooner the better, because we still have some problems in care homes. We still have infections. Because once, a, once the virus gets into a care home, it's very difficult. 
even in the highest quality environment, you know, PPEs and, and you know, segregating the COVID from the non-COVID residents and all that, still very difficult. So care homes really have to be right at the top of this, along with the healthcare workers themselves, who of course are uh, being meeting patients and looking after patients with the virus themselves. So they're very, very, very uh, likely to, to well, they're not just likely, they will be exposed to the virus, but far more than the general public. So the sooner that gets rolled out, the better. I'm not the concern so much about the minus 70. I used to work in the lab many years ago where we had them all buzzing away down in the basement of the lab because we, you know, it was a virus lab and we use minus 70 freezers as a routine. Okay, it's a question of having enough of them and yep. they have been ordered and so on. And this business about transporting the virus from them to the GP surgeries or to the health service lab, places that are going to be doing the vaccine. I don't think it's, a, it's a, just a logistic problem. And, you know, I've heard that the army might be involved. Well, they're very good at logistics. I mean, that's, that's, that's one, one of their basic things. And they've been yeah. very useful in other, in other emergencies of this kind over the years, uh, because they know how to do this kind of transport and make sure that things... Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.